So y'all got these these foam boards padded up now? Yeah, how you like them so far? Uh, definitely dampens the sound. It uh, didn't sound exactly. I mean, it's a little hodgepodge, but it's, it's, it works well. It's great. You weren't here. Doing like, it. I know. I didn't do jack all about it, but it's it works. And honestly, I think it'll just improve the sound overall. Get a table and shit. It looks legit. Season two, motherfuckers. everybody welcome to rumor flies i'm ryan i'm josh and i'm greg and we're back with season two yay, yay woo -woo. hope you missed us even though we still were releasing stuff every like two weeks in between the seasons <laughs> yeah we weren't gone for very long yeah uh, we're trying to delay having to do real work yeah exactly we just want like uh, we don't feel like doing research we're just gonna go ahead and just talk out of our ass for like three straight episodes so yeah i'm glad that you're still here assuming that you downloaded the episode or, or listening to it in general. And I hope you liked everything in the meantime. Uh, thank you to everybody for doing that. You want to thank him, Josh? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, okay. I thought you were just going to keep going. I was going to do it later. Um, okay, hold on. Yeah, I just wanted to say thank you to David and Jeremy and Matt and everybody else who's involved with all the uh, other stuff that we did for the supplemental material. It was really cool hanging out with you guys, and we loved having you on. And we really enjoyed the episodes, and we hope you guys did too. So it was, like we said, it was a little something different, but we hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, assuming you're still listening, I guess you didn't hate it that much. I guess, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, today we are going to do a little housekeeping first. I'm not talking about the subject yes yet. Maybe we should call this mousekeeping. <laughs> Ooh. This guy. This is some big teasers for something that they already read the title. Well, we haven't formally announced what this episode is. Okay, well, we're still not going to. So... A little bit of housekeeping Good that I am listeners can't read. <laughs> That's why I listen to podcasts. <laughs> That's exactly it. Audible.com for the illiterate. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that should be their slogan. <laughs> for people who don't read good. <laughs> Missed out on Harry Potter? Now you don't have to. Anyway, so I'm really embarrassed about this gaffe, and usually we don't try to do them individually, but this one I did last season, the last episode of it, and it is just mortifying for me. So as somebody who makes alcohol, I wouldn't say on the reg, I do honey wine, but I, I do it frequently enough to know better. And I called yeast uh, bacteria. It's actually a fungus. And somebody, one of my friends luckily told me about that. And then I looked it up after just saying, no, bullshit, it's bacteria. Turns out it isn't. So now we have to deal with the fact that I just, that's a big one. I deserve like three penalty shots for that. I was going to say, the science community is frowning upon you collectively, Ryan. Mm -hmm. And they don't give a shit about me because they know I don't know anything. I should have all my non-licenses revoked. That's right. <laughs> Your imaginary license. Secondly, so what we're actually going to be covering today is Disney again. Whoop, whoop. We said we'd do it. We said we would. And we done did it. So this time we're not going to be talking about the parks because those are for squares. Only people that work there <laughs> I was really care to think, about the I was parks. Really trying to have a good pun or something. I, I, was, I couldn't. I was fishing. <laughs> I wanted to see where he was going with that. I'm like, well, most of them aren't in a square, but okay. Truly, the employees of the parks are the only people that enjoy them because they can get in for free. Well, that's a fact. Yeah. <laughs> well, today we're going to be covering Disney media, but 
in tandem to that, we are going to readdress something that we talked about in the last Disney episode. You mean the only other Disney episode? Yeah. Our first overall episode? Yes, that one. So we were talking about he wanted to get to the absolute bottom of it, of what that smell on Spaceship Earth was. And in, the, in the part of Rome. Yeah, in, in the Burning Rome section. Yes. And turns out that LinkedIn is actually a very good source. <laughs> I mildly harassed anybody I found that worked at Walt Disney World and some Imagineers too. And it turns out one guy was generous enough to respond to me, and he was just the right guy. He told me that he was a previous manager of Spaceship Earth and used to do, like, daily, you know, walk-arounds and checks of the whole ride. And they have things called, I think, um, smell, like, smell machines, pretty yeah, much. that's just, basically what they're, they're called. They're smell misters that just spritz out smells. And it's not Casey Masterpiece, like we said. He said that he recalls the scent in there being called Burning Ash. So there goes that mystery. We got it. We got it. Now we just got to recreate it. We got him. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and just to kind of piggyback off that a, a little bit, if you notice, uh, for those of you who have been to like Magic Kingdom, this is like the number one spot where you'll notice it. If you're walking down Main Street. Oh. By the confection. Don't confe- lie to me. Don't lie to me. Don't tell me it's not real. I mean, there's real stuff that they're making in the confectionery, but it's an automated smell that they're pumping out to draw people in there to buy no. it. Yeah. There's, you know, we'll have to spend some time on an episode kind of going through like little nuances like that that Disney does because it's really, really fucking interesting. Uh, just little things like pumping out the smell like that, changing the, the brick from the sidewalk to the road, like things like that. It's 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 cool, this, the stuff that they do. Something tells me this is ramping up to our first Kickstarter where we just ask people for money to go to Disney World so we can do a video <laughs> supplement. Sounds like a great use I, of crowd. I have no problem with that whatsoever. No I shame. think people enjoy us going to Disney World and watching us do things there more than them actually going. Yeah, probably. We'll get off the couch for you, and we'll go and eat all of the turkey legs and ride the TTA for a solid day and then, you know, go on the rail boats. That, that All that shit. You're such a piece of shit. That's Greg's line. Thank you very much. <laughs> Trademarked. So I guess we'll jump into the actual episode now. Today we're going to be covering Disney Media and some of the very shady things uh, surrounding, I guess this is more of like pre-2000 stuff mainly. I don't think we have anything that's really after that. Original brainstorm too. I remember us sitting down and like we were going through this, and some of the park stuff came up. We were like, "Oh, we need to divide these Disney episodes into like categories." Yeah, because this one alone got crazy. Yeah, this one's fun. I don't know if any of these are past 1995. Well, it's definitely early internet. Looks like Disney had some damage control, if anything. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at it. I mean, the most recent one I think is 1994. So yeah, we it's well over 20 years old. You know, for the stuff that we're diving into. Yeah, well, it still stands true today, and I'm sure a lot of listeners have already heard about some of these things. So the first one we're going to jump into is, and by, the, we, by what we mean by Disney media, is generally anything involving the movies or TV shows or music. It's mainly going to be the movies for us. I think that's specifically what we're doing right now. Whereas the first one was all park-centric. Yeah. So the first one we're going to jump into is the Little Mermaid controversies. Oh, my God. Plurals. <laughs> Which one do you want to cover first, Josh? Let's go with the dick. Okay. We'll go with the, as Josh so eloquently wrote in the notes, the dick in the gate. At first, I didn't know what we were talking about, but then I realized afterwards. I put a little description. It's a spire, okay? So, on the VHS cover of the original Little Mermaid, after it came out in, uh, from theaters, 
there was an interesting little tidbit in the background. So if anybody hasn't seen the actual cover, it's, you know, Ariel and Prince Eric on the cover. And I think Ursula is in the cover, uh, like in the corner or something like that, right? Yeah. You remember that? I think you're correct. And in the back is this big golden castle. And <laughs> one of the spires of the golden castle. I, I got it. Is a big golden cock. So... It's very phallic looking. Really, there's almost no debating that it definitely looks like it there, and it definitely seems like it's there, and it pretty much is there. However, whether it actually is a big golden cock is not known to be true at all. It pretty much, <laughs> the artist has been called out saying that it's not true. Uh, a few people have actually interviewed the original artist, and they said that there's a little bit of, um, I guess, contradiction here. Because when they talked to the artist, he said that the actual poster art and everything before the movie's released is different from the actual art that's released when the VHS comes out. Now, when the VHS came out, apparently the artist said that he was up until about 4 a.m. the day before <laughs> of the deadline oh, wow. drawing this out. So he was in a very hasty mood at that point. And he just happened to have scribbled a spire that was a little bit off kilter and um, made a little bit of a turtle helmet right there on the top of the spire. <laughs> I guess it was melted by dragon flame or something. And he just turned it in and he was like, okay, let's go with it. That's fine. Well, turns out about, let's see, a couple of years later in 1995, somebody out of nowhere <laughs> called the American Life League, which is a pro-life group, accused Disney of inserting subliminal sexual content and images in several Disney media, including Aladdin, The Lion King, and The Little Mermaid. Now, we're going to cover Little Mermaid right now, but we'll get to the others later. So, pretty much, the Little Mermaid penis issue was about as plain as, as day. But their issue wasn't the penis. So, we already covered the fact that uh, the creator of the art said that, well, no, that's not what it was but for the laser disc uh, version of it they actually retracted that image and altered it so that it's not on there and there's no questions about it anymore so you're gonna have to find an actual old like you know first few pressings of this vhs in order to get that cover art you can find it on the internet very easily it was also on the uh, original movie poster yes that's the contradiction they said that they didn't make that <laughs> they said they didn't make that type of art until right before it was made at different times so i feel like this artist might be lying a little bit <laughs> but disney officially on the record says it was not intentional it was just kind of a gaffe but it's on the they said it did like all right yeah we just we just totally threw one in there just yeah. like yeah guys that was like totally by design well oh, yeah I, I was waiting for you to find that you know, you know greg we'll kind of get to things like that later on you'll see uh disney's been known to do things like that um but if you notice they actually changed the the cover for the dvd when they re-released it and when i believe they they released a special edition on vhs they changed the cover as well yeah so they recognized it and they came out about it after like this uh, american life league actually called them out so but that wasn't the only thing that they were calling about for little mermaid the other one was the infamous boner scene it's all the dicks it's all dicks for little mermaid well, that's why i said the dick one because it is freud's favorite disney movie just <laughs> dicks abroad <laughs> So the controversy about this one is that during the wedding scene, spoiler alert for Little Mermaid in case you haven't seen a movie that released in 1984, or was it 89? No, 89. Okay, I'm dyslexic, okay? Or just numeric, I don't know. Anyway, I, I just saw the four and the nine, they kind of connected it. So a movie released in 1989, this is a spoiler. During a wedding scene on a boat, 
there is a priest officiating the wedding, and as he is about to say, the dearly beloved, we are gathered here, he pops a hearty. He pitches a tent. He, you know, just extends a little bit in the pants. He just gets so excited about marrying these two. Dude, he loves it. He loves it. He was imagining the nuptials afterwards. You could even say he gets off to it. But it's a really... <laughs> It's a really quick boner, though. <laughs> like It doesn't last very long. Like He has very good control over it. Straight up, if they slow down this little clip, which you can find on YouTube, they have a bunch of people slowing it down. In the show notes. Thank you, Greg. If you slow it down, you can see that he's just readjusting himself, his whole body, not just his pants. And it's his knee bending outwards. And it just happens to be bad shading. And his knee kind of blends in with his other leg. So it looks just like, you know, a little chub's popping out. Nice. The guy's not very impressive either, just to say. I mean. Well, I appreciate your judgment. He's, there, about, <laughs> he's about half Danny DeVito size as it is. So I guess you can only expect so he, much. He is a smaller fellow. He's um, on like a little block when he's officiating, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. So he's, he's, yeah. you can only expect so much from that guy. <laughs> he's not going to be using it anyway. He's a priest. That's, that's another great point, Ryan. That's another great point. Okay. So that about wraps up Little Mermaid because there's a lot more interesting stuff going on with this other than the fact that, oh, there was a lawsuit involving all three of those medias. So one woman <laughs> from Arkansas decided that she would capitalize on this and just piggyback off of the American Life League and sue Disney for something under the grounds of either false representation or fraud by saying that what was sold, instead of being just a hearty kids movie, was subliminal messaging trying to teach kids about sex or something. And I have something against that in the first place, because if you're really trying to be subliminal about sex with kids... Oh, didn't mean to say that. Yeah. <laughs> like, if Freezing. you're trying to be subliminal... <laughs> if you're trying to be subliminal Freezing. and sell sex to kids... You don't make a little squat priest the sex symbol that gets a boner during it. And also, they're not going to be looking at the cover art that hard. They're just going to pop that bitch out and put it in the VCR and watch it. So, pretty bad move, Disney, if you're trying to really sell sex to kids. You could have had, you know, Prince Eric, Ariel, Sebastian pop a boner, you know. This is exactly where I thought this conversation would go. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so, getting back to the lawsuit, this lady decided that... <laughs> She, she's great. It went to federal court and state court for this. Both of them? Yeah. Wow. Because she <laughs> set the price so high for, uh, I guess, penalties and compensation to, I think, the tune of $50,000. The funny part is she had wholeheartedly admitted in court that she was not really entitled to that much. She said something to on the terms of, oh, yeah, well, you know, since I paid only like 25 bucks a pop for both of those uh, tapes, you know, for Lion King and, <laughs> and The Little Mermaid. I totally don't deserve 50000 but I'm going to go for it anyway. I think the actual document stating the case said that she knew that she was entitled to crumbs but wanted the whole cake. So she had some balls going for this. And also, I really that tells me a little bit that she's just trying to play the law system and was not really on the whole American Life League bandwagon. She just found a way to exploit it and did terribly because it didn't go through. She didn't win. So there's that. But... We said there's other things involved with this, and that's where Josh is going to pick up. Yeah, so I'm going to jump in on The Lion King. So with The Lion King, the, the big controversy is that when Simba is talking to Timon and Pumbaa, he's looking at the stars, and then there's that moment when he, right before his come to Jesus moment, as I call it, uh, that's where he's, you know, looking, you know, the, the whole Mufasa remember who you are thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure people who have seen it. If you, you know, I'm not even going to say spoilers. If you haven't seen The Lion King by now, you're doing life wrong. All of these, you should have seen them. 
Your parents have failed you if you have not seen them yet. <laughs> you did not have a good childhood. Um, <laughs> some some listeners just crying in a corner right now. That's fine. There's some Latvian just crying right now, being <laughs> like, "We didn't have imports." <laughs> so right when Disney when, was not allowed. <laughs> so right when the Simba is, is talking to Timon and Pumbaa, looking at the stars, when he moves, he actually kicks up some dust. And the dust fades away into the atmosphere. And when it does, it makes the letters S-E-X, as they put it. And the thing about it is is people are like, oh, it says sex. It says sex. And from the lawsuit, Ryan, like you've mentioned, the thing is like a four-year-old boy apparently saw this and complained to his mom. And that's where the lawsuit stemmed from. Yeah. That was what the main lawsuit was. And actually, I think that's how the whole, uh, what is it, American Life League jumped on. Yeah. So that's crazy in itself, the fact that that's what that they had to tack on other things. Somebody was like, we need to see what else Disney's up to. Well, they're clearly grasping for straws there. I mean, they, they're just trying to add as much as they can because, like you said, they, they're trying to get some kind of monetary game from it, and they don't really have a case for it, though. You know what? I'm pretty sure that that is bullshit in the first place because if you think about it, like, ages four to six, that sex isn't on their mind or anything like that. And they probably haven't even heard the term that much in the first place. Why would they just all of a sudden see in a frame or two of an actual, you know, a couple of frames of the film, just see something spelled out and go up to the parents and say, Mommy, what's sex? That's just them not wanting to have to explain that from something else that the kids saw. Well, and a very liberal interpretation of those shapes, too. And, and yes, I, and it I, is. <laughs> yeah. Well, my thing is, like, I don't know many four-year-olds that can spell to begin with. You know, I mean, most of, it's later on in life. Stages. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Now, the the thing about it, it's it's a misunderstanding. misunderstanding. It wasn't S E X. It was F S F X. I'm sorry, and S F X, Greg. I'm sure you know, is for your special effects group uh, of the production company that does it. It was just a little nod to them, and so it spelled out S F X. Disney, if if you don't know, is very big on putting like I don't want to say subliminal messages. I was gonna not say subliminal messages. Little shout outs to people who work on the film or other films of theirs and things like that. And that was one of their ways of doing it. And it completely got misconstrued, and it turned into this. Big old thing that turned into a lawsuit. Now, um, in addition to the organization that Ryan was talking about, the American Life, uh, the American Life League, there was another one called the American Family Association, who was how original? Yeah, who was um, the, the head of that was Donald Wildman, and he claimed that Disney was quote pushing their homosexual agenda on the youth today. Oh, boy. So, you know... That's still going on today. Well, this was also the same guy that was, was ranting and raving about how the Teletubbies were gay and how they were terrible for people. And Bert and Ernie was, you know, a gay couple and, you know, things like that. Just, you know, these are kid shows. You're re- reading way too much into it. Given that the Teletubbies were possibly, you know, babies with giant human-like bodies, I wouldn't say that they were gay, at that point, They're far more frightening for other reasons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tubby custard man, you don't know what it's made of. Well, but so, it, the, yeah, no, uh, I, I agree. too. They don't even have torso. Like they have torsos. They don't have anything below there. Even if they were gay, all they'd be capable of doing is making out. Okay. They can't <laughs> even be. They're not even entitled to being the full extent of gay. They can't enjoy it. You know, Ron. I never thought about that. But that's another very good observation by you. <laughs> they can't actually complete the act. The, so, yeah, the, the American Family Association and the American Life League, they're clearly just 
trying to make something out of nothing. And they're just being a bunch of dickbags who think that they can decide what kids all around the world of all race, credence, gender, whatever can, you know, is good for them. And so since they feel like that they have this microphone in front of them, you know, and they can bash, you know, a company. And and I'm not trying to come across as like a Disney apologist or anything, but it's absolutely ludicrous that they were trying to make something out of this. Yeah. And that is a complete, they're like the precursor to the Westboro Baptist church. I don't get, actually, I don't know how long they've been doing their whole suing everybody deal. I'm not sure. Greg, (laughs) but their moral authority is ridiculous. In fact, there was two organizations going after Disney, really the company that was geared upon really being for children in the first place. And also is doing their best to kind of stay, I don't know, not morally. They're very morally, you know, I guess wholesome, you call it, but they won't even incorporate any religion into any of their films. Why would they push any sort of agenda? They can be open to something. Like, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't doubt if there's an openly gay couple in a Disney movie soon. I think there might already be one. There, there already was. There you go. And Frozen. Oh, well, was that official, though? Yeah. It was? Yeah. Like, once again, that's not pushing anybody to be, you had to look into that to even notice in the first place. And I feel like they're just trying to include everybody. And by doing that, they don't, they really can't push an agenda. It could, it has to be kind of a whatever, dude. We're cool with whatever as long as, you know, kids are enjoying themselves and aren't getting harmed and are learning to live a happy life growing up, you know? Well, nobody sits there and thinks that, you know, if they, they are pushing a dead parent agenda. There is that. <laughs> well, nobody sits there and thinks if they watch cars that, you know, their car has a girlfriend and is like secretly like a, a racetrack specialist or anything like that. I People are just dumb. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Being it, nice. It's one of those things where people need to get something to be mad or afraid of. Yeah, that's a great point. It's a lot of things that we cover here. It's just people want to be upset about something, so they find something to be upset about. Well, rumor flies, we got a treat for you. Your first fact-checking of the season. Woo. Greg? Yeah, so little quick thing. I didn't know this. Um, Westboro Baptist Church was founded in 1931, but it didn't start doing all the um, picketing and stuff like that until 1991. Okay. It uh, started as a split off from another church, blah, blah, blah. But basically, when uh, the, the founder who passed away, but... Um, Fred Phelps. Yeah, Fred Phelps. He um, Michael was Phelps. the first, he was the, <laughs> the was first major pastor it. of it. And then, so 1991 is when they really started doing that. It was like one of their first picketings. And then within three years, they started traveling the country. So it was an early to mid nineties phenomenon when they started kicking off. Nice. Okay. I, I'd actually kind of want to see a documentary about that. Yeah. I mean, they've, yeah, it's interesting. And, uh, it's called red state. Um, Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, the last thing I did want to address was, uh, of the three, uh, movies you mentioned, the one about Aladdin, I'm just going to touch on it real quick. It was, there's a scene when Aladdin and Jasmine are are talking, they're on the balcony and, uh, he's, Aladdin's trying to convince Jasmine. He's not like self-absorbed or, you know, kind of Prince kind of thing. It was was after the genie granted him, granted him the wish to become uh, Prince Ali. And there's a scene where it sounds like Aladdin, you know, says good teenagers take off your clothes, but what Disney claims, and I never heard good teenagers take off your clothes. I, I've listened to it. I've tried to to, to hear it, but I, I just can't. Plus, the movie's not targeted towards teenagers. Well, that's a, that's another good point. Disney, you're screwing up selling <laughs> sex. And the uh, the what he actually says is, "Come on, good kitty, take off and go," is what Disney claims is what they say. 
and I don't want to like you know go into it like we did Little Mermaid and Lion King, but it, it, it's just people trying to make you know mountains out of molehills kind of thing. So that's about it. Imaginary molehills at that. Imaginary molehills. That's right. They had to build the molehill first to call it a mountain. <laughs> there you go. So, <laughs> you ready for the incriminating ones? Let's get to well, it. Well, really, one quick thing that was hilarious in the research when they were calling, like they brought up these three things that had all this stuff. For some reason, you know, of all three of these, you got the penis, you got this other stuff. She only wanted the Lion King to be pulled from the shelves of video stores, but the other two, Aladdin and Little Mermaid, could stay. I don't know why. <laughs> That's really weird. I was reading over it and I was like, oh, the fine print on it. And I was like, wait, what? She specifically, and made it a point to mention. She only wanted the Lion King pulled from the shelves. Maybe it's because she likes the ones with humans in it and not uh, personifying yeah, animals. I don't, I don't know. I just thought that was worth mentioning. Yeah, if anything, <laughs> I think given things that we covered and assuming they were all true, Lion King is the least offender. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would say that. It's a word in the other one's potential imagery. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, everybody has, you know, read Shakespeare at some point. So, yeah. Fast twitch boner. I think that that's a little bit more important than just seeing the word sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah. Moving so, on. So this one goes back a little bit and the it, it's surprising. So the next thing we're going to cover is the rescuers. Josh, do you remember the rescuers? Greg, do you remember the rescuers? Oh, yeah. And the rescuers down under. I I am more familiar with the rescuers down under because I think that's the one that my dad had ripped off of uh, tape at Blockbuster and just, like, kept for a while. (laughs) Dude, I have so many, like, pirated Blockbuster tapes in my house, like, laying around. I have The Labyrinth. I think I have Son of Godzilla, Turtles in Time, the One best movie ever. One of my family members at their office had a two VCR player, so that's how they would do it. <laughs> that's how you get by. One of our friends, uh, one of our friends, Joey, actually has, like... Because it's five years, right? That's the, that's the limitation. Statute of limitations is five years. past five years, you're yeah. good, right? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Joey has, like, an entire wall of VHSs. I just had, like, you know... It was just a bunch of tapes that had the labeling, you know, scribbled <laughs> on them. On, right? <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm curious to know how many of our listeners, I hope there's not many, that have no idea what Blockbuster is. I don't know, man. They've been out for quite a while No, now. we need to get them while they're young. We need to educate them. Get them while they're... Phrasing. phrasing. No, that one was... I'm not- <laughs> just forcing that one. We're doing that this season? Phrasing? Okay. <laughs> so anyway... The Rescuers, released in 1977. It's about a couple of mice that go around and are general. Well, they're a detective agency for the most part. Yeah. yeah, I would call it that. It's plausible. Yeah, they ride a seagull. They go through London and all that stuff, being very British and such. Again, documentary style. It was a weird time for Disney because really, <laughs> okay, um, I really can't think of any other movies that came around in that time window that got as popular as The Rescuers because you had you know the. 30s and 40s Disney movies and then it kind of went blank until the resurgence in what the 80s with Little Mermaid and such. I, I can you can make the argument for Pete's Dragon okay I mean I saw it but I could literally tell you not a single plot part point and, between and that also the same year was the mini adventures of Winnie the Pooh but that wasn't a movie was it yeah oh it was mm-hmm. see I didn't know it so obviously it wasn't popular <laughs> <laughs> but there you okay. go, Ryan. Uh, fact checker. Sword in the Stone. Look it up. Ooh. Anyway. Wait, what about it? I can tell you right now. Okay. Well, I'm sorry that I'm the guy was, without a computer. It was in 1963. I know that off the top of my head. That's why I'm at. Is that, that old? Damn. 1963. Good job. Robin Hood. Quick. Oh, that's in the 50s. Oh, no. 73. I'm wrong. 
Okay, so it was far and in between for the most part. Like, they weren't making as big of hits during that time. This one, however, kind of went under the radar because there is a rumor that in a couple of frames of the rescuers, when they are riding on the seagull with a tin can as a saddle. Again, documentary can start, style. Yeah, you know, sardine as a saddle, sardine can. That you can see in a building in one of the windows, a nice rack. As in rack, I mean a pair of tits. As in tits, I mean boobies. Anyway, so there's a nice pair of boobies in there. And everybody, like, swears by this and everything, you know, and a lot of people say it was edited in there, you know, just to kind of cause, like, you know, another, like, viral rumor. Turns out it's completely true, and Disney were the people to pull the trigger on confirming it. It's pretty awesome. Oh, shit. So this is interesting because the details behind it is, in January of 1999, keep in mind, this is after the American Life League fiasco with them calling out those three movies. Well, wait a minute. how That's almost 30 years. Yeah, pretty that's, much. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's, years, it's yeah. over 20. I'm, I'm rounding up to 30. I can do that. It depends on if we're going by tens or fives. I can do that. Yeah. So they actually made an announcement recalling the first issues of their home video release of The Rescuers because it had some controversial frames in them. They said that they didn't do this for the 1992 release, like the reissue of The Rescuers, because it had already been taken care of. So they didn't mention what was in there, but at the same time, people immediately went in there and looked at that frame-by-frame, frame, like, forensic style. And they found about three or four frames that had a pair Titties. of tits in them. Yeah, them tits. <laughs> And they, we do have it in the show notes, and I'm actually kind of surprised I was able to find it because YouTube, like, didn't flag it. I guess it's it looks like a really crappy it's Photoshop. It's educational. Sure. It looks like a really crappy Photoshop job, but it's real. I almost didn't believe the first sources I found. You know what? If you can get off to that blurry, like, second frame of boobs, then that's more power to With you. With two cartoon mice uh, in the same uh, picture. So, so two things real quick. Uh, Ryan, you've never been desperate and tried, obviously. And two, Greg... Um, you know, I, I don't think we really want to go down that avenue as to what YouTube does and does not claim as copyright infringement. Well, I mean, copyright is just <laughs> pornography. No, I, I know, yeah. but... Uh, if YouTube, you whistle the Ghostbusters theme in a video, you'll get taken down with a DMCA request. Uh, yeah, pretty much. So DCMA? Whatever. Yeah, whatever it is. They get, they get the reference. So, yeah, it's in the show notes. You can see it. But apparently Disney indirectly confirmed it and said it was probably in the, the theatrical releases, too. However, they said that they used a different copy to make the ma- the different master copy to make the 1992 release. So what they're claiming is that none of the animators put it in there, and they can't really point a finger on anybody. So they say it was done after the final cut was made. So somewhere between it making it from the studio to the movies, it was inserted in there. So really, to think about Tyler this. Durden. Yeah, so, well, almost a Tower Durden thing, but that means it would have to have taken a theater copy and based that to make the home video release. So I really think that one of the copies was taken right before it went out to the theaters by, not an animator maybe, but somebody that works at Disney. Yeah. Somebody that had their hands on some say, very sensitive material. Somebody that, that had access to it and they wouldn't have questioned them why they had it. Yes, and possibly slipped in those slides. And also, it's not like something where they put a whole frame of a dick like in, you know, uh, Fight, Fight Club, Club in there. Spoilers. They actually had to splice a small frame of boobies into a window in another frame. Film reel is bigger than regular photography reel, but it's still small enough to the point where you have to put that in there. So if you think about this a little bit, there, I think there's something shady going up with that. Yeah, I mean, you have to, to not only 
take the time to figure out this master plan. You have to crop down this picture in such a size to know where it's going to fit specifically in that window in the framing. And considering in 1997, cropping down was physically cropping it down. Well, that's the thing is like, so they had to definitely be aware of what was going on in the movie. I mean, they had to have had almost unprecedented access to the movie in order to do I this. I think it isn't only two. I think it's two frames. Yeah. Okay. And, Something and, like that. It passes by so fast. And for reference, I don't think we really mentioned this. Almost everything we cover here started with a, quote, disgruntled employee. I think that this one. Oh, yeah. The rumors. Always, yeah. It's always, it's always a disgruntled yeah. employee. Did it. You know, we're going to go with it was the same disgruntled employee for all of these situations. <laughs> <laughs> he went to the sound studio and said, good teenagers, take off your clothes. And, uh, you know, put the tits in there, put the boner on the cover art. This guy was at the tops. He might be a resurrected Walt Disney that just decided he was going to take revenge on the way the company has been going since he died. Maybe. Is none that our of, new rumor? Are we starting a rumor? You know, none of we these ru- none of these rumors <laughs> happened while Walt Disney was alive. All of a sudden he dies and things just go willy-nilly and it's all about making kids love sex nice and early. Come on. That's a good point. Disney died in 65, uh, so. It was Roy. Or was it 65? It was, yeah, it was in 65. It was like a year before. No, he's crazy. frozen, guys. Oh, that's right. I don't know. It might have been We 65. can't talk about that just yet. <laughs> you <laughs> shut up. You shut up. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> Wink. So <laughs> anything else you want to add to that, Ryan? No, other than the fact that I know that this said, it, okay, it is in there. That's the take home from it. Disney says that the animators didn't do it, but the way all of this cutting goes, I mean, I am not an expert on how things go from, you know, studio to movie to direct release of, you know, video, but something's fishy there to me. And I think it's worth people actually reopening that case and finding out who did that because well played, sir or ma'am. <laughs> I think uh, because they wanted to keep it the documentary format, they wanted to keep it as realistic as possible. And that's why I was inserted into there to be like an authentic, uh, London night just flying through. That's right true. There. I mean, I hear women just hang out of London windows topless all the time. It gets <laughs> annoying. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I think um, I, we're going to take a different turn here. So Snow White. Now, this is one of my favorite theories because of how absurd it is. And it was something that I never even heard about until I was doing research uh, into just Disney in general, like when we were going back last season. And I'm really glad that I found it. And the, the rumor was, was that Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, the film, which was Disney's first actual release. Not to be confused with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, no, which we've no, already no. mentioned. We've, we've covered that, Ryan. But Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is actually the film about Snow White being cocaine. And the Seven Dwarfs were the seven stages of cocaine use. This is great. I'm yeah. saying, that, this is Freud's favorite movie. <laughs> Now, um, just just a quick little aside real quick. If uh, any of you, for whatever reason that, you know, you want to know this useless information, there's a really quick way to memorize all seven dwarfs. Okay. So it's two S's, two D's, and three emotions. Doc Dopey, wait, Sleepy Sneezy, Doc Dopey, Happy Bashful Grumpy. He did that from memory. He did yeah. not read that. If uh, you learn anything from the podcast, there you go. There's your one. So I, I just kind of want to take a step back, though, because... Throughout Disney's history, as you know, looking back on it now, as we, we have seen how people are very quick to go back and just on something or say that, you know, there was 
subliminal messages here and there and and things like that. Choose your own offense. Exactly. But I mean, there's been so many times that when people have gone back and looked at, you know, Disney films modern day and been like, well, they clearly had to have been on drugs because, I mean, who in their right mind would sit there and watch Fantasia or who would sit there and watch Alice in Wonderland? Or there's parts of Dumbo where, I mean, you had to have been on LSD at some points in order to enjoy it. Right. Keep in mind that David Gilmore of Pink Floyd claims to have never taken LSD, and he still wrote some pretty trippy shit, which is awesome. So, I mean, people can do that type of stuff without being exposed to any sort of mind-altering substance. Not to mention, no hallucinogenics were widely available during that time in the first place. Well, thank you, Ryan. You actually just shit all over what I was going to say. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> uh, no, it's a great point. Uh, LSD wasn't actually brought into the U.S. until around 1950, or either the like really end of the 1940s. Yeah. So, Snow White was released in 1937. Fantasia was in 1940. Dumbo in 1941. So there's no way they could have been on any hallucinogens. I mean, peyote was there, but I, I mean, I don't think that was really easy to come by back then. I don't think a lot of Disney animators hung out in Indian reservations before, you know. Uh, making their frames. Right, exactly. Now, so if you want to make that argument for, for Alice in Wonderland then, which came out in 1951, let, let's think about this though, okay? And th this was my way of just like logically deducing that there was no way possible that they were on L. I mean, there's no way that them taking LSD affected the story. I'll put it to you that way. I won't say that they didn't do LSD because I'm not those uh, animators or creators or anything like that. But there's no way you can say that about Fantasia, Dumbo, or Snow White. Now, Alice in Wonderland, that came out in 1951. So if it came into the U.S. around 1950, it's a stretch. But let's think about it this way, okay? This was the 1950s. We do not have computers around at all times to make this process of producing animation very simple. Everything was done by hand. It required a lot of work, and it took years and years of practice and just narrowing it down until you got the story you wanted and you got the animation perfect. So if they, that movie came out in 1951, there's no way they could have done all these drugs, had the trip of their lives, doing God knows what, and then made a movie in that amount of time. Not only that... If you think about that, they would have had to have gotten literally the first batch of LSD that came from Sandow's Laboratories and just somehow just knew about it and jumped right on that. And then also, Lewis Carroll had no problem writing a very, very, very trippy-sounding story, wacky as hell, a hundred years before the movie was even made. And that was the thing, is that, you know, a lot of people are like, if you want to sit there and say... And Lewis was Carroll was a fucking nerd, well, too. Well, that's what I was going to say, is like... <laughs> People are quick to be like, well, you know, if, if you want to say, you know, about all the stuff them being on LSD, go read Alice in Wonderland. It's not like this happy-go-lucky, like, feely kind of thing. It's really trippy as well. Yeah. And, and, and the kicker and all of this kind of going full circle back to going to the Lion King, that was the first Disney, like, the original Disney film that was completely constructed by their own idea, script, music, and everything. I know we've had this debate before about whether or not that was original or not, but according to Disney, it was. So that means everything before that has some kind of reference. So there's no way Snow White represents the, the seven stages of cocaine because when Snow White was, was first written, they didn't know what cocaine was. Also, the dwarves didn't have names, I think, in the original version of Snow White. You know what? I'm going to do a plug right now. Claire Testoni does uh, Singing Bones podcast, also on darkmyths.org. Had to get she, one in. She, she's great. She does something very similar. It's a Miss and Legends thing, but uh, she's an Aussie, and she, I think, covered 
Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and they've had so many different iterations of names that only, I think you did the research, only in that one did they have those names. Right. They they, they didn't, they had names, it wasn't the seven emotions or whatever. They, they mad-libbed it. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, but based on that, you know, Lion King being the first original what everything that Disney did, there's some kind of reference point then from 1937 to 1994. So, I mean, if you want to sit there and say they, they took drugs, I mean, but there, there's some kind of reference where you can go back and check into these stores and see where they came from. So that was my whole thing. And just my other like thought in this immediately was, okay, you're seven dwarves, sleepy, sneezy, doc, dopey, happy, grump, grumpy, bashful. Where does doc fit in as an emotion for cocaine use? Yeah, exactly. And not only that, uh, let's go ahead and talk about, yeah, Snow White's about cocaine. Snow White, yeah. How about it being about GHB at most? Well, I, I mean, I'd even go as far as, like, if you want to talk about pedophilia or something like that, then we could have that discussion. Oh, we're getting really dark here. But it, but, but that's but that's not where I'm trying to go. But I'm saying is, like, there's so many other cases you could make for what Snow White's about that I just don't really see the basis for it being about cocaine as being one of them. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I totally agree with you on this. There's no way I can fight you on this and tell you that that's the drug of choice for that movie. If anything, it's a it, that's a pretty rapey movie in the first place. Well, in all sorts of different ways. And well, I mean, like the, the thing, story in general too. Well, I mean, so like there there is this whole thing that like Fantasia and uh, like a, like Alice in Wonderland, like like I think it was like 1971 or something like that. I don't remember the exact date in, during the research, but like right. <laughs> Alice in Wonderland was like the number one rented VHS in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> it was because people... I don't think that was a coincidence. No, I don't. But And that was the thing is like people got upset back then because they were re-releasing like Snow White and Fantasia and a lot of these older movies that were very weird, Dumbo and shit like that. And the thing about them was like people were going and, and it was almost like they were marketed and advertised for like your average like college kid who wanted to just go watch a movie and trip balls and people got upset at that but like Disney back then they didn't like shy away from it they didn't actually promote it as being like oh come see this movie while you you know your face melts off they were more like hey come see this movie and it's an experience of your mind yeah i mean there's a whole bunch of stuff like that i mean they're just smart with marketing that's what's going on at the time that's what you take advantage of just like your great instance for right now, Pokemon Go. Well, it, yeah, is that really directed towards children? No, no, no not it's at the all. The original 151. Yeah, and and not to mention that, like, uh, some movie we've talked about before, Ryan, you and I, one of our favorite movies, 2001: A Space Odyssey, an absolutely terrible movie when it was released in theaters, in the sense that it didn't make a lot of money. Two point four million dollars as and considered a great disappointment at the box office. Yeah. It didn't make anything, but people started experimenting with their own hallucinogens and then they ended up loving the movie and that's why people kept going to see it. But this wasn't around back then. Any, I mean, these drugs weren't around back then for Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs or anything like that. So using that as a point of reference as to what the, the Seven Dwarfs represent. Out the window. Yeah, yeah, Cocaine stupid. was around for a very long time and it was around when that one came out. Right. But at the same rate, cocaine wasn't that big of a deal even to the point where somebody would make a whole movie about it. And not only that, like the number one drug back then, I also read that was the other thing. I, thank you for reminding me. Nobody makes a movie about codeine right now. No, yet. Um, <laughs> so, sorry, this is kind of interesting. It started to come back in vogue, you know, as you were saying, to the point, and Disney kind of resisted the Drug Association. But then after Yellow Submarine came out and it really spiked up, people started getting into it. 
they re-released it in theaters. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they're and, smart. But no, I'm saying but to the point where they went from rejecting the association to they started they aired it marketing with Jefferson Airplane like. They did a total 180 and decided to capitalize on it. Oh yeah, they, <laughs> they had that song uh, "White Rabbit." They yeah, never, exactly. they never sat there and said like, "Oh, don't take drugs and come to our movie." It was like, "Hey, it's an experience of the mind, and you take that how you but want." Before that, they were all like, "No, no, no, it's not right." Of that. But they totally that, 180. But that <laughs> that was because it was taboo, and then they realized yeah. how much money they could dive into Scrooge McDuck style. I mean, and honestly, they're doing a service because if you're gonna have somebody, you know, tripping or on a lot of drugs. What better place to have them being babysat than a movie theater where they're not going to go anywhere and just watch something? Well, the, the final point that I was going to make was like back then in 1937, the number one drug back then, alcohol. That was the number one thing that people used. That was post-prohibition. They were all back on that shit. That's what I'm saying. You know, prohibition was what, 1919? Something I don't like want to give you numbers on that I, one. I, I, don't, I don't remember the time. But anyway, it's... but. Alcohol was the number one, you know, uh, vice of choice back then. So it wouldn't have been. Co- they were more likely to have been drunk while writing Alice in Wonderland than they were have been to be tripping balls or doing cocaine or anything like that. I still would imagine to imagine the writers room while they're all drunk writing Alice in Wonderland. I'd love to see Walt Disney drunk while writing it. That'd be great. All right, we ready for the next one? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so my last topic for the night will be one that's um kind of hard to fight. It is who framed Roger Rabbit. And I'm I don't going, know. I'm, ha! And I'm going to go with this one being one of those textbook kind of should have been PG-13, you know, the first PG-13 Disney movie. I know Pirates of the Caribbean. It was, was PG? Yeah, I think. Or it might have been G. Huh. Depending on when Raiders of the Lost Ark happened in this one, too, it could have been G. Nice. I didn't know that. But it was PG. It was not PG-13. And there are a few particular things that happen in this movie, but we're going to take the most famous one first. And that is, I guess, what Josh wrote here on the notes, Jessica Rabbit Muff. I, that's, that's her last name is Muff. But uh, Rabbit's her middle name. <laughs> Such a dick. <laughs> Let's see. And, uh, apparently, when Jessica Rabbit is riding through Toontown with Bob Hoskins in a cab, as the taxi runs into a lamppost, Jessica Hoskins are both thrown from the car. Jessica landing spinning, which causes her red dress to start hiking up her body. For a few frames of Jessica's second spin, her underwear supposedly disappears, revealing Jessica's unclothed nether regions. So nice, <laughs> nice. So <laughs> real nice, cartoon nice. It wasn't even the animu. <laughs> so. <laughs> Tune. Sorry. I oh come on! <laughs> you can you can edit that. We're not trademarking that. We're not doing cartoons, okay? You can you can edit that. That's fine. I'll bleep it. I'm not editing it out. <laughs> People need to know. A the, brand new myth conception. For the record, <laughs> that totally is a lot more of a catchy term than hentai. <laughs> yeah, somebody messed up. By the way, they sh- totally should have named it that. If it's gonna be mainly female-based cartoons, if it's gonna be mainly male-based cartoons. Dude, it works for everybody. And then if it's tentacles, it's just going to still be called tentacle porn. Right, let's move on. <laughs> this is great content. That's a theme. That should be the title of this, Let's Move On. Yeah. <laughs> so, from Snopes, the frames in question are frames 2170 to 2172 on side four of the Laserdisc version. Which I'm sure everyone has. Yes. 
I actually need to find a laser disc player. They've mentioned it a lot here. In these frames, Jessica's pubic region is colored darker than the surrounding flesh-colored areas. Nice. Whether this coloration was intended to suggest nudity or was the result of a paint error is unknown. The intention might have been to paint the darker regions a color representative of underwear, but an error in the color markup chart produced some ambiguous images instead. So they're pretty much saying, oh, we actually make, you know, like blue, but we use brown. So she just got like pubic hair now and then it just looks like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's pretty much what they're saying at that point. Because it's not like somebody accidentally switched out a color fill in Photoshop because it didn't exist then. That, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. So it's another one of those things where, well, it may have happened. And these, like, I don't know how this, this movie flew under Disney's radar, like, completely. It's a great movie. There, there's more incidents. That's the big one. And that one's just kind of left as a maybe. Nobody really comments on it saying, oh, well, it was just kind of an editing error. Take it as you will. That one's up for debate. Viewers, we'll have it in the show notes. Go look at it if you want to, you perverts. <laughs> it's a cartoon, okay? At least the boobs and the rescuers are real. Actually, they really need to find who that actress was. That would be some real deep digging shit. Well, you know what? We'll take that responsibility ourselves. We'll see if we can find that out. Listeners, you help us out on this one. Yeah. I don't want to do that. But no, we're I going think it'd be fun to try. Yeah, we're going to keep going. We'll report back on it. But along with that and Jessica Rabbit, we're going to have a few more things. A scene at the beginning of the film depicts a diaper-clad baby Herman stomping off the set and underneath the dress of a woman. Watched frame by frame, the scene reveals baby Herman extending his middle finger just before jumping underneath the skirt and re-emerging with a spot of drool on his upper lip. Jesus Christ. The scene can indeed be seen in the home video release and was clearly intentional. What are they insinuating? You tell me, Josh. I don't know. I, I don't know these kinds of I'm innocent. Things. I don't know about these things. <laughs> Greg? What's sex? I just was watching Lion King and Fact I saw some Fact checker Greg. This it's is your job. It's, a, it's another word for gender. Okay. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Topical. Anyway, so... <laughs> in another scene, Boz, Bob Hoskins steps into Toontown's men's room. Boz Hopkins. Boz Hopkins. Steps in the men's room. Graffiti on the wall reads, for a good time, call Allison, A-L-L-Y-S-O-N, Wonderland, with the phrase, the best is yet to be, appearing underneath it. Allegedly, Disney chairman Michael Eisner's phone number replaces the latter phrase in for one frame. (laughs) That is fucking great. Yes. Eisner's (laughs) phone... Wow. Although the Alice in Wonderland graffiti clearly is visible on Laserdisc, Eisner's phone number is not. The phone number was in the film originally, as rumor has it, as it was. It was removed before the home versions of the movie were made available. So the whole theoretical release, we're never going to see that again because Disney has that on lockdown. But the Alice in Wonderland thing right there, how can that really, that is ridiculous. Like, that is, like, Rocco's Modern Life type of lewdness, like, under-the-radar type of thing that Disney should have caught. Like, that completely just undoes everything that they said, oh, we're sorry about, for everything else we covered, almost. Well, there's one reoccurring theme in everything that we've covered so far. Michael Eisner's a dick. (laughs) It's gross negligence by the Walt Disney Company. I mean, that's the number one thing. See, if Disney was here, this wouldn't have happened. There's a whole rumor that we're going to cover. He's just Next Disney episode <laughs> about Disney's due diligence for anything of that sort. He didn't like that tomfoolery. No, he did not. That's what you call a teaser or a whistle wetter. <laughs> so 
<laughs> I've literally never heard it called a whistle wetter in my entire life. To what you whistle? I've heard that as like a uh, drink. Yeah, I got what the phrasing was. I, I love that. Oh, oh a, a whistle, whistle wetter. It's just going to be our supplemental episodes. Just whistle wetters. Oh, God. Yeah, so, I, it, but I, that's great, though, with Alice in Wonderland. I had no idea about that. That's awesome, though. It's like they accidentally released this film after it was made as a joke. They were like, ha, 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 yeah, we'll totally make that. And they did, and it was like, ha, ha, yeah, we'll release that. And then somebody took everything literally like Amelia Bedelia and just put it out there. And then Disney's like, well, I guess we can't really do much. Oh, wait, wasn't that John Malkovich in it? Was it? I'm like, Greg? In which movie? Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Who John Malkovich. The, did John Malkovich frame Roger Rabbit? That would I I'm like want to say it was no, John that, Malkovich. No, that was um from um uh, Back it, to the Future. That was uh, Christopher Lloyd. Was it Christopher Lloyd? I knew it was Christopher Lloyd. I knew it was like a bald headed guy yeah, that was very similar. It's that okay. God, the stuff of nightmares. I'm I'm 99 sure it's Christopher Lloyd who was the villain. Back in high school, well, let's just see if he was in it. There was uh, I think Soundboard.com. I think it was called. It was to find a lot of like phone numbers. It was look up directory. Oh, and you could call it, Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, one of our friends supposedly called Christopher Lloyd, and he didn't pick up. But the answering machine was like, "Hi, this is Chris. <laughs> Leave a message. I'll get back to you in the future." Because that's totally how we should have ended it. I'm currently fixing the flux capacitor. Actually, my favorite Christopher Lloyd movie, while Greg is looking this up, Camp Nowhere. Oh, my God. That is such a good movie. He was in that? Yeah, he was one of the main guys in it. I, I don't really I remember the movie, but... It was pretty much uh, accepted, except a summer camp. Okay. That's exactly what it was, actually. Yeah, I, I from what little of it I remember... They said they did a lot more dangerous things during the entire time. It was kind of like a pre-heavyweights type of thing. I watched it again the other day. I that, love that. Movie. Well, Camp Nowhere. I highly suggest watching that. It's awesome. It's great. It is one of those movies where they could totally not make it today, but they did anyway. Greg, you're making very funny faces. Okay. John Malkovich, this is this is one of those things where you just, the random searching somehow pulled this up. John Malkovich was not in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but I did find out the director, Robert Zemeckis, also wait, did Robert, Beowulf. Wait, Robert Zemeckis did Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Um, Apparently, Zemeckis' 1988 mixed-up live action with cartoon experiment resulted in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That can't. That can't be right. I'm, hold on. This, this is crazy. I'll, I'll look this There's up. There's no I'll, way. Y'all keep, keep going. I got this. There's no way Robert Zemeckis well, did, did Frame Roger Rabbit. Well, while Greg's looking that up, Josh, you want to cap us off for the night? Yeah. This is one of my favorite topics. I'm I'm so excited for for doing this. Um, I, I'm just, I'm, it's blowing my mind that the same guy who did Forrest Gump did Who Frame Roger Oh my Rabbit. God. It was Robert Zemeckis. Wow. I and did he did Beowulf. <laughs> This guy's like IMDb ratings well, are probably like a giant well, no. roller coaster. Spike. Well, that explains it. No, Robert Zemeckis did Back to the Future. Oh. So that explains Christopher Lloyd. There's a conspiracy going on here. Uh, All right, we'll get to it. Yeah, Josh, I'm sorry. Take us off. So my my last thing that I'm going to cover for this podcast was <laughs> sorry, that's crazy. <laughs> uh, the, the the great thing about this last subject was it it sent me down a rabbit hole. Alice in Wonderland, pun intended. <laughs> Uh, because it, it led somewhere that I was never expecting. Now, the, the rumor was was that Walt Disney himself used to blacklist the actors that he used in his movies just to protect the integrity of the film and because he wanted them to be, uh, with air quotes, real characters. So he wouldn't allow them to do other things. He would sign them to a contract, and then he wouldn't allow them to do any other work other than what he wanted, so that way they would be forced to just do what he wanted them to do. Now, there, there comes to be an issue with this because there's no clear answer on this. And, and this is just me speaking personally. 
I think this is like a hybrid of two things that were put together. And this is what it resulted into being that, you know, Walt Disney, you know, just blacklisted his actors. So if you back, you know, in the 1940s and 50s, if you remember, it's more late 30s, all pretty much all the way up until, you know, the 90s, even past that at points, there was a big problem in the United States with communism. Okay. And Walt Disney blacklisted people. That is 100% true. But he only blacklisted people that he felt were in the Communist Party or were aides to the communist movement. Well, I guess Dalton Trumbo isn't going to be any right in any Disney movies. Well, so, I mean, the big thing was that he was very um, selective as to what he could talk to people he worked with about and what he could tell them because of labor unions. And a lot of people believe that these labor unions were going to be the way that the communist party and the communist movement affected America. Right. The principles behind it. But it's weird because I really, I never thought about it, but I never really thought of uh, Walt Disney being very nationalist. If anything, I thought he kind of had his own agenda. No, he definitely was a nationalist so much so that I, in the show notes have testimony from not only him, but eventual president Ronald Reagan pertaining to blacklisting people in Hollywood being associated or who they felt was associated with the communist party. Jesus. And they, and they have line by line exactly what was said. And it's really, it's just fascinating because Disney goes into, and I'm just only going to talk about Walt Disney. If you want to read Ronald Reagan's, it's great. Go do that. But with Walt Disney, it was amazing because he talks about, you know, the the cartoons that he did during wartime and the, the contributions he made there and why he did those things because he wanted certain effects to have. And then he talks about how there was and he names people individually. He doesn't just say, oh, you know, there were a couple people who I didn't want to work with anymore because they made me uncomfortable. He's like, you know, Joe fucking blow himself is, you know, some guy that I worked with and he was with the Communist Party and the I wanted... supposedly prestigious Joe f***ing Blow himself. <laughs> he was like, I want nothing to do with this guy. So, I, I mean, he's not going to come near anything that I do ever again. Now, so that's one. That's like part A. Part B comes from Adriana Casalotti, who was the actress who played Snow White. And a lot of people, there's a lot of questions that pertain to her. Okay, so she, was she like the mocap version of Snow White, like motion capture? She was kind of the model for it. Or was she, she was the, the voice. voice actor. Okay. She was the voice, which I will get into. So this is where I think a hybrid of these two these two things come in because with Casalotti, she was never actually given credit as being the voice of Snow White. She was uncredited. What? Back then, movie studios were not mandated to give those voice actors credit for their roles. So, uh, what is the downside to giving them credit? If anything, they're, they're not mandated to say, oh, you don't have to give them credit, so just, you know, screw it, whatever. By doing that, but by doing this, this legally meant that Walt Disney and the Walt Disney Company owned that character. Oh, Which I means they owned to. that voice, which means that, in theory... He could control what exactly she does. Now, back then... Not only that, it doesn't spread her name around either, so she's not exactly a desirable... It's not that she's undesirable, it's just she's still a nobody. She loses position at the bargaining table. So, if if I remember reading correctly, she's only done like five acting roles in her life. And the third one was Snow White, and the other two were later on, which I'll get to in a moment. But the, the, the crazy thing is that like Walt Disney, for doing this, which he 
people know of her now because you now have to give actors credit where credit is due. But back then, since it wasn't mandated, nobody really knew who this person was. And there's this famous story uh, about um, uh, uh, somebody trying to get her to be on radio with them. And he, he asked Walt Disney, he goes, hey, can I get her to be on my radio, my radio show with me? I want to get her and, you know, have her on there and be full time. And Walt Disney goes, no, you're not you're not touching her. She's not going on the radio. That voice is mine. And I mean, that's just the story as to what it was. He pulled a fucking Ursula on her. He gave her seventy dollars to do Snow White. That was her payment, which back then was like equivalent to like around fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars. So it was a lot of money. And it wasn't that she wasn't fairly compensated. OK, I mean. Back then, I mean, you get wow, also. Was it really that that much back then? Really in that much. defense, though, Snow White was groundbreaking. That was not guaranteed to be popular. Well, that pe- was something that Disney did. That was it was such a leap of faith for him to take because people were boycotting the film. That's just people, like how- people said that watching a color film like that, a cartoon for an hour and a half, was going to rot your eyes and they'd fall out your head. That's just like how Alec McGinnis was the only person that made any money off of Star Wars, the initial one. Because he took royalties off of it. Everybody else took a like lump sum because they're like, this screw this, it's not gonna get popular. It's kinda like those same lines. And ultimately, I mean, yes, no I did take off, but not as drastically, maybe. But it's debatable. Well, so the the, the thing you get into now with Casalotti was that the other two movies that she was in, and these were both uncredited parts as well, just to show you something. And the next movie that she was in was The Wizard of Oz. And the one after that was It's a Wonderful Life. Hey, what was she in Wizard of Oz? And what was she, she in Wonderful Life? <laughs> so in The Wizard of Oz, she was the one that goes like, Oh, where art thou, Romeo? She's the one who speaks that line. And then It's a Wonderful Life when um, <laughs> George <laughs> George Bailey, I can't do it without laughing. I, 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 um, Sorry, Steckland Floor. I know, I know, I, I can't do it. When he goes into the bar and he's praying and someone's singing in the bar, she's the one singing. Really? Wow. Yeah. So those were the last two things that she did and the only two things that she did after being in Snow White. So I think that between her not doing a lot of work after being in Snow White and then Walt Disney blacklisting the Communist Party, this is where the idea that Walt Disney blacklisted his actors comes from. Wow. So it was more of a thing where Walt Disney, A, was just really spot targeting that voice. But really, he was calling out other actors that probably didn't work with him. There was no actual way to prove that he said you can't do anything else. There were some reports that I read that where he was like, nope, she's not doing shit unless I approve it. And then there was other things that I read, which that's in the show notes, where he was like, no, she can do what she wants. It's just she couldn't go on the radio show because there was something else going on that involved Snow White. And so I wasn't, you know, she needed to be there and I wasn't going to allow her to miss it. So it's really hazy where it comes from. So it was like a codified policy, but there seems to be some actions that heavily suggest it. And right. It sucks potentially. Because potentially. Like, all the first-hand sources are dead. Uh, well, that's we're not going to get a WikiLeaks for Walt Disney's emails. Right. We're exactly. not going to find out about whether this is like what is the actual case of it. I wonder if somebody's Walt at Disney.com. That'd be great. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> not going to lie. Just a thought. But yeah, so like I thought it was really interesting, though, where these two just things that happen just mesh together and this is what they form. And like I said, that's just me thinking like seeing where this rumor stemmed from and this is the pieces that they took from and this is what it formulated. 
No, I'm, that is completely reasonable to me. Like, that's our first amalgamation of things, I guess, where it becomes one solid rumor just for easily digestible sake. Right. Because the Red Scare isn't as easily understood nowadays. Well, it's not as uh. hard to, but it's not as in the forefront of everybody's minds. It's right. It's not the big scary thing now. We have terrorists for that now. But, you know, it's like it makes it easier for people to just hear something and run with it. Or just people were tired of having to explain two different things at once. So it's just like Disney blacklisted people. Yeah. Nothing to do with commies. Yeah. And it makes it more of an appropriate thing today because like today people are going to be like, what? So what? They were Russian. You know, it's not a big deal. It's just like, you know, Japanese internment camps. People are like, that sounds crazy. But then you think that you're at a war. That's, you know, 70 plus years ago. Things fade their scariness, so it's not as sexy. So you have to just kind of wrap it up into something that makes it sexy again. And that's just Walt Disney blacklisted their actors so he could have the vice grip on them and there were his little pawns. Now, that probably isn't completely true. And also, by the way, did we mention we love Disney? Like, (laughs) we we said it before. (laughs) It sounds like we're talking a lot of shit about Disney this time. But these two guys are obsessed with Disney. We probably (laughs) shit on Disney more than we ever have before. Uh, during this podcast, but it, it's you know if somebody were to ask me today, I'd be like, "Do you like Walt Disney?" I'd be like, "Yeah, I like Walt Disney." Knowing all of this stuff that he did, like potentially blacklisting people, like I mean, it's a really shitty thing that he did, but I I appreciate what the man himself did, bringing such joy to people across the world. And I'm not saying he's innocent because you know there none of us are perfect angels. But, I mean, I, I, I like him for the fact of what he, the overall product that he brought. This is our marriage counseling for Disney as a whole. Right. I mean, we're just, like, airing out the dirty laundry. Like, you know, we can accept that. It sucks, but we can accept that. Now, please, can we go on Rock and Roller Coaster again? Well, he, here's the thing, though, Ryan. We haven't even started a marriage counseling because we haven't covered the last topic in our Disney trifecta. What's this? The man himself. Uh-oh. Look out for that one. So... I guess we kind of revealed that. That's guess to what, everybody? Guess what next season you're going to get? <laughs> That's to whistle your wetter, as Ryan says. Whistle. Wait, what? <laughs> it's a whistle wetter. I know. I'm kidding. Jesus. No, I just whistle your wetter. <laughs> so just to kind of bring all this back in full circle. Ooh, whistle your wetter. Wow, man. That's almost a flow ride a song. I was, it was a joke. Can we move on? <laughs> No. You too. No, we not. <laughs> we don't let things go here at Rumor Flies, Josh. It's I've part noticed. of our culture. I've noticed. Um, yeah, so it was really crazy. A, the fact that they actually fit a topless woman into the rescuers. I'm. It's not so much that they they that it's in there that surprises me. Well, I mean, it does surprise me because I would never expect anything like that with Disney. What surprised me was the amount of preparation, the amount of thought, and the amount of execution that somebody went through in order to do that. There's more to be revealed with that. There, I it might not ever see the light of day, but I feel like there is much more to reveal about that whole story because some things are not matching up. Even the Little Mermaid one too. Like I said, yeah, you know, they said the video was made, the video cover art was made after you know the movie was released, the movie poster. Yeah, right. you just see the golden boner in like the middle of the cover art on the poster. It's just. Something doesn't match up. And everything we covered here I really liked. There was nothing that was boring here for the most part. No, and it's and it's great because like it's a lot of different aspects about Disney media that we covered and I just love the I think the the overall like arcing like thing, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but you know what I'm saying. Like the the number one thing that that keeps takeaway? Yeah, takeaway. We'll go the with theme. that. Theme. Theme. There we go. That's what I'm looking for. The undercurrent. Okay, we're done. And uh <laughs> 
is it's just people making something out of nothing. Now, I mean, the rescuers is barred from that, you know, because there actually was a topless woman in there. Um, Jessica Rabbit. But that wasn't even in the fucking like act against <laughs> the Disney. Like they just totally missed the rescuers. So would you say that Disney's immune to blowback on that? I feel like that they made sure they didn't want any blowback afterwards and they, they wanted to be the first people to it. Yeah. Like I said, you haven't heard anything about any sort of like potentially lewd things in Disney movies after that whole situation happened. Yeah. I think they had somebody like an intern sit down and watch every fucking Disney movie from like frame to frame to frame at some point, maybe a group of them and just find anything possible. Like, think about it. They like audited themselves for the rescuers. Unless, like, somebody came out and told them, it's like, oh, hey, by the way, I put some boobs in this movie, and they just, like, ran around with their heads cut off? No, it's not. I, I feel like Disney, that's when they started tightening up their ship a little bit. I think, uh, just to, to kind of whistle your wetter, listeners, um, you when can't we, change something I I'm, already coined I'm a doing second it. ago. I'm doing it. When we get to the, the third part of this trifecta, we're going to be able to go into a lot more detail about this because we're going to learn a lot more about Walt Disney himself, which I think play is going to play a big factor into not necessarily the perception, but why people went about doing this. Yeah. If you know what you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, like, th- we're, we're laying some groundwork. Yeah, it, it's definitely going to be the foundation for our next thing. So I think uh, we're going to jump into some listener reviews. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. All right. So we got one from <laughs> cool guy three four five six seven. That's my new favorite like username for anything. Dude, I, I, I believe him. I believe he is cool. And he, I also believe that he is three, four, five, six, seven as uh, well. He is definitely cool for writing about this podcast. Halfway through, I was reading the it's numbers kind of and I was straight. like, oh, why does he have so many numbers? And it's just three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> he says, it's super. Amazing. Ad- it's with my, my luggage. He says the headline, super addicting. Oh, we should say this in like news. Oh, I say it's super addicting. Ah. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> like Morse code. Oh, you do it. Like top of the hour. We got our view. I love learning the random facts and things. This is a great source for some of that. Stop. Started with the Disney episode. Stop. Episode. And have been hooked ever since. Stop. Hosts are great and funny. Stop. Well, cool guy, three, four, five, six, seven. Get ready for another Disney episode. Oh, yeah, that's right. What an appropriate time to do this. Yeah, I didn't realize that either. <laughs> cool guy, three, four, five, six, seven. Now you have to make another account that says even cooler guy, four, five, six, seven, eight, and make a review on this episode as well. You're obligated to do it. We called you out. And uh, thank I, you, by the way. I'm going to attempt. Thanks, fam. Uh, to say this name, it's not going to be correct. Oh, I'm I, glad you took this one. <laughs> but I'm going to attempt to say it. It is Tetel Natsu. I, you know what? I don't know if that's correct, but that's what I'm going with. Tetel Natsu. I don't know. Tetel Natsu. Yeti. They say, uh, God, this person writes so many long paragraphs. It's like four words a sentence. Uh, Anyway, they say, smart and entertaining, five stars. Awesome topics delivered by smart dudes. Well, gee, thanks. Gosh. Fun, fun, funny, and insightful. Well, that is really awesome of you, person. I'm not going to try to say it again. They clearly wrote this before they heard the gas episode. Yeah, probably. Um, so thank you for the kind words. If you guys want to continue to leave us reviews on iTunes, we always appreciate it. Hit that five star button. We should just go back and replace every single track with just like 
Mein Kampf, Hitler, like just terrible, <laughs> terrible, like awful content. And then all these reviewers look terrible. <laughs> really funny content, five stars. Then they look like the dicks. Right. <laughs> So uh, yeah, I, I we really enjoyed this episode. Disney's always something that that Ryan Greg and I always just really enjoy talking about. Is Mein Kampf on Audible? Okay, uh, I, I think it is actually. It's one of the most popular books of all time, besides the Bible. Um, is the Bible on Audible? You know, oh, what? I'm sure there's 50 versions. on Morgan there. Freeman better be reading that. Uh, if if uh, you can go check it out. Um, so please sponsor us, <laughs> right? By the way, we're not sponsored by Audible. We're no, just asking questions at this point. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we we really enjoyed covering this episode, and I think the last thing that I'll do for you guys, I'll give you a little bit of Disney trivia. Anyone? Okay. So, Ryan, you may know the answer to this. I think I've told you this before, Greg. Okay. Oh, this will be directed towards oh, you. God. What was Buzz Lightyear's original name? Annoying far distance. Him no. Talon. Lunar Larry. That's a terrible name. Yeah, it's atrocious. <laughs> and that was like right up until like one of the last things they cut was his name. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I thought it was interesting. It's a, it's a fun little th- when I when I worked at Disney, I used to uh when I when I wasn't driving the boats and I was on the microphone, I would do Disney trivia to keep it. You were never driving the boats. boats. They were on rails. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you both can go f yourself. <laughs> So I think that about takes care of this episode of Rumor Flies. You guys know how to contact us. Greg? All right. You can find us at rumorfliespodcast.com, at rumorflies on Twitter, Instagram. You can find us on Google+, my personal favorite, uh, rumorflies at gmail.com. Uh, what else do we have? I think that it covers the community. We're on Twitter, Google Play. We're on Instagram. Stitcher. We're on in, yep, Instagram, at Rumor Flies. We're on virtually every podcasting app you could imagine. We need to get you to be like a Siri voice because you change your voice whenever you do these call-outs. At it's the very the least, a Garmin voice. That would be great. Turn left. I could do the, I could Turn do the left here. It's like, if you like to listen to Rumor Flies, you can check us out at. It's like, it's like AM talk radio voice. Okay, guys. Well, uh, thanks again for checking us out. And uh, we are excited for season two. And uh, we got plenty more good shit where this is coming from. I'm Ryan. I'm Josh. And I'm Greg. Check you later. Bye. Bye. This episode's closing song is Sharp Teeth by The Octopus Project.